Welcome to Authors of the Pacific Northwest, where we connect authors with new listeners and provide advice to aspiring authors on the business of writing. I'm your host, Vicki J. Carter. So hi there, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for coming back to the Pacific Northwest. And today I have a special guest and I'm, I'm very excited about um, what we're going to be talking about. We are going to be talking about authoring and her journey in author, but we're also going to talk a little bit about her message. And I love her message. So of course she comes on the podcast. So that's kind of the thing of having podcasts. Um, so I'd like to introduce you to, to Dr. Laura Shaheen. Did I get it right, Laura? Yes. Good job. Yay! <laughs> so, um, Dr. Laura, so I'm going to just go right to Laura because I'll never remember doctor every time, but, um, tell us, um, Laura, first off, what state you reside in. Everybody likes to know what state my, um, podcasters, the people coming on where they live. So tell us where you're at. Seattle, Washington. Woohoo. So I just recorded another podcast. I'm recording from a Seattle gal today. Did you get hit with snow? Yes. <laughs> I don't know how many inches they're saying like two to four. Yeah. Yeah. So we were just talking a little bit about that. And so, um, I think your podcast will definitely come way after the snow is melted, but my listeners are like, Seattle does get snow on occasion. We do around this time of year, around February, we get one or two little bits and it's cold. It's very, very cold today. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't get snow down in my way. We're Southwest of you quite a bit. So we didn't get it, but I've been seeing the pictures on Facebook and Instagram of all my people in the Seattle area. <laughs> <laughs> so Laura, tell us, um, first off, um, what, what you do in your day job and kind of, you know, you're a doctor, but tell us what kind of doctor you are. Cause I can have all sorts of doctors on, but share with us a little bit about who you are. Absolutely. So I'm a reproductive endocrinologist. And what that means is, um, I specialized in obstetrics and gynecology, but then did a fellowship after residency in reproductive endocrinology and infertility. Mm-hmm. And so um, most of what I do is an infertility practice, um, helping people build their families. Uh, uh, like IVF, in vitro fertilization is something that I do daily. Mm-hmm. But a large part of my practice is um, helping people with recurrent first trimester miscarriage. Oh, okay. Um, and I started a um, center for recurrent pregnancy loss here in Seattle. Oh, and, um, yeah, thank you. In uh, 2010, uh, and have just really um, found that to be a really special calling for me. Oh, I love it. Well, let's dig a little bit into that because um, I have listeners from all over the world. Thank goodness my podcast is going everywhere, a lot in the United States and all over the world. And um, the one thing, you know, I was reading on your website before we did the interview, and it's one reason why I really felt compelled to bring you on. So listeners, we are going to deviate just a little bit so <laughs> from what we normally talk about. But um, there is a lot of shame that women will feel and struggle with as they're going through reproductive issues. And they may carry that inside themselves and never say anything, or their partner may know, but it's not something our Western culture really deals with in the sense of healthy wise. So um, share with us a little bit, because I know your book itself is generated around that. So tell us what, ins- what really inspired you to write a book like you have. Absolutely. Well, caring for these patients um, for years, I just kept seeing 
a really common theme that women came to me feeling um, ashamed, uh, guilty, that they're doing something wrong to cause these pregnancy losses. They were feeling broken. Mm-hmm. And um, the beauty of the technology and the science that's come forward is we've really realized that most miscarriages are from a genetic issue within the embryo. Oh, it's not. Yeah, you're uh, just going to learn lots. Today. I am. I'm excited. <laughs> Even though I'm um, way past reproductive years, everybody knows this. <laughs> it's still. I will be a grandmother someday. <laughs> oh, yay! Um, and so I, um, I kept seeing women feel uh, and even say to me, "I feel broken. I feel my body is broken." Mm-hmm. And so that's actually the title of my book. You know, mm-hmm. not broken, an approachable guide to miscarriage and recurrent. Uh, pregnancy loss, because, um, you know, I do an evaluation and I'm looking for any issues that I can control in the couple that is trying to conceive. But most of the time we don't find a, you know, a mm-hmm. problem with the uterus or a problem with the, um, you know, immunology or uh, blood clotting disorders. And it's because, um, each pregnancy is unique and mm-hmm. most people, um, you know, are able to complete their families if they're able to keep trying. And I mm-hmm. just, you know, since the beginning of time, anything that has to do with reproduction, you know, whether you can't conceive or even gender, right? Mm-hmm, you didn't mm-hmm. really realize that gender has to do with which sperm, mm-hmm. you know, it's a male issue. Uh, but certainly miscarriage or infertility, it's always been the woman's fault. And um, we sort of play into that. It's kind of like we feel like it's something that we're supposed to do. And uh, when it doesn't happen the way we want it to, we feel. Uh, guilty and ashamed. I wanted to change that. I love that. I I find it absolutely fascinating too because I'm a historical fiction writer. I'm working on my first work around the Elizabeth era, and mm-hmm. I write a lot about female experience um, and what my perception would be during that time. And what I find fascinating still today in art, with so much technology and so much amazing advancements that we still carry as females a burden and, and the belief that if something goes wrong with us in the reproductive, it's our fault. It's something wrong with us. And so I think it's awesome that you're pointing out and hopefully through this and you know through other people that might not have known this that are struggling with this, that we get to hear that there's a lot more to it in genetics. And it's so much bigger with the science than just you and what maybe you might not be doing or doing. So absolutely. I think it's a positive message. Yeah, I think so too. So let's talk a little bit. I love the title, Not Broken. And that's something that really, you know, I think for me, while I'm, why I'm drawn to it is that I believe also in spirituality and I believe that, you know, there's broken people hurt other people if they're not healed. And I feel that way also with the body, you know, that we can um, hold back maybe some of our health uh, from being healthy if we're not getting spiritually healed or emotionally healed too. And so I like the fact that you title it Not Broken. One thing the listeners don't know about is that you actually have two versions of the book. So explain to me the philosophy between the two. So one's illustrated and one's not illustrated. And I find that, tell us why that's the case. Sure. So the original book is really a guideline and it's a chapter book and it's um, something that I really wrote for my patients and I actually give a copy to each of my patients. Mm -hmm. Um, You can only absorb so much information in a visit and um, it's such an emotional visit that people often leave and we're calling back with a lot of the same questions. And so 
I wanted to say, you know, oh, if you have a question about any of the tests that we're doing, you know, please just read about it in the chapter. And um, especially male partners, they had so many questions about what they could do and, you know, what, what tests they could do. There's a whole chapter for men. Oh, nice. They can, you know, you can really pick and choose what you want to learn about. And um, the second book is actually, um, it's different in that it's something that I wanted to create um, because there's really not um, a lot of dialogue or ceremony around loss. Mm -hmm. So many times you might hear of somebody having a miscarriage or a stillbirth, but just not know what to do. You know, Mm -hmm. someone gets a cancer diagnosis, there's a meal train or cards or flowers, or there's a um, a dialogue or ceremony. Mm -hmm. But with miscarriage, oftentimes you don't know what to say. And sometimes the most well-meaning people really can be very hurtful when they're just trying to... Yeah, yeah. um, saying things like, um, everything happens for a reason. It's just really hard to hear when you're in the middle of grief Mm -hmm. or is God's plan. Same Mm -hmm. thing. Really hard to hear that when you're in the middle of it. And so not broken illustrated is, um, basically writing out the philosophy and it's supposed to be something that you could give to someone that's had a loss and it's saying it's not your fault. Um, you know, you did nothing wrong. Uh, you're, you can be resilient. You know, you're not broken. Um, and the imagery is, you know, at the beginning, you know, this woman is pregnant and she's holding a bowl, sort of like she's holding her belly. Mm-hmm. And then the, you know, you're full of hope and excitement and, you know, looking forward to the future. And then it's a miscarriage and it sort of shatters. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as she picks up the pieces and puts it back together, she realizes that she can be resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, it's powerful imagery and just very simple words. And then the end of the book is a lot of, um, it's a, basically an essay on how you can support and help yourself, whether it's counseling or yoga or mindfulness, um, just trying to, you know, be supportive and advance self-care. I love it, Laura. And I think that is such a valuable um, message and gift to give to people. I, I experienced with really good friends years and years ago, they did have a, a significant miscarriage after quite a few term, you know, trimester. And the one thing that I found that was beautiful that they did, and it really helped me recognize the fact that you need to mourn and you need to remember, regardless if the child was living for six years or, you know, six months or not, they celebrate his birthday mm-hmm. every year and they all go together as a family and they spend time together and they, they will um, take pictures and they'll spend time mm-hmm. together and they always, always celebrate his birthday. And I thought that was the most um, beautiful way of celebrating death because I don't believe our culture does so great with death in any shape or form. Yeah. <laughs> very, very challenged with it. I'm challenged with it. And um, so I love to see that you're bringing this message because so many people I think will hide their emotions deep down. So I think that's wonderful. So listeners, this is, this has got to be out there for somebody. Laura was brought, came to me and I really felt the need to bring her on the podcast. So if you're, if you're hearing this and you know, somebody that is struggling or, you know, you don't know they're struggling, maybe this is the kind of work that you need to get them connected with and books and writing are a very powerful thing. So, so let's talk a little bit about your writing process. So did the idea just pop in your head from years of working with patients and then how did you do that process to get everything out the way you needed to, to articulate? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I, um, 
So my first book is actually, I co-authored a fertility book with an acupuncturist on an integrative approach to fertility care. So she wrote the Eastern medicine part and I wrote the Western medicine part, like IVF. Mm -hmm. She really introduced me to the process of writing and had an editor and we learned together how to self-publish. Nice. Um, (laughs) A partner is always nice to have in that. (laughs) Yeah. She she just really kept me going and um, it was really fun. Mm -hmm. And so just going through that together. And I think my, my editor is absolutely a huge part of that team um, you know, my neighbor down the street did the illustrations. Um, it's a really great group of women that just made this project and we really believed in it. And so that was my first introduction to it. And sort of that made me feel like, wow, I really, I really could do something. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just, I see so many patients with miscarriage. And like I said, I was really driven to provide a resource for them. Mm -hmm. I, did read every miscarriage book that was available that I could find. Um, and they really were either very thick and dense and written by, you know, a physician or a scientist in a very, um, dry manner, mm-hmm. or it was, um, personal stories and sort of thoughts of healing mm-hmm. and there really wasn't anything in between. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, and so I wrote it and I, it's one of those things people always ask, you know, how do you do that? You know, you're a full-time physician, you're a mom, yeah. you're a friend, you're a wife, you know, how do you do that? And, um, and I really would get up early, you know, mm-hmm. every morning when it's quiet, quiet. And I would write every day, even if it was just like 10 minutes mm-hmm. and it's just, um, practice. And it, for me, I actually felt more anxious when I wasn't writing. Yes. I knew yeah. I had something to say. Um, so it was actually a relief to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way that I can prescribe it or describe it. It wasn't a, a chore. It wasn't something that I dreaded. Um, I really, truly enjoyed it. I love it. And I love the fact that two things that you'll hear on my podcast over and over again um, is one, authors that do very well, they do research to see what else is out there. And for you, I think that that's really great because you need to know what already is being said and maybe you can help to rectify some of the things that shouldn't be said. So that's great. But I, I think it's great that you spent the time to read everything, you know, so then you know how to approach that for your readers. And number two, you wrote every single day. I love that. I think that is like, for me, whenever I hear an author tell me that, it reminds me every day I need to be writing, no matter how busy I am. And mm-hmm. if you listen to the podcast, I'm a little busy. Um, <laughs> I, I, my husband and I were just laughing because I overbooked myself again and I have a full-time job. And I'm like, but I can't give up my writing. I can't give up the podcast. and I can't give up work because I love all of it. Yeah. So, yeah. so fit it all together. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's great. So, so that's it. awesome. That's awesome. So um, the book, uh, the illustrated version of um, Not Broken, is that, did you do the illustrations or was that the same illustrator from your first book? Um, I got a different illustrator, um, but she also is a woman that lives in the neighborhood. And uh, nice. you got a yeah. creative neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, uh, you know, I had, it's something that has been, uh, in me for over a year. And I actually kept asking the illustrator for my first book. Um, and she was just too busy. She's just so lovely and in such high demand. And, and so then I just sort of said, yeah, I really, you know, is it okay if I ask another couple of people and it just all yeah. came together. So, well, it was meant to be that way, you know, so, so that's good. So let's do this. Let's set up, um, before we get started on setting up a little bit of reading for you, because I know my readers love 
to hear the authors read. I think it's very powerful to hear the words from the author themselves. Um, can you share with any other authors that are listening here? And, and I think your genre is so very specific that there might be people out there that work in a similar field or have a similar idea of working with people over and over again. Let me paraphrase a little bit. So I work with students who are learning to get their, they're working again, their bachelor's degrees, 99% of them are adult students that have not been in higher ed for very long time. And I say the same things over and over again. I create a frequently asked questions page for my authors to go to. That's how often I say to them as far as motivation to get them to continue along the journey of finishing their degree. And I've had that idea in the back of my mind. I really should write a book on this. Yes. <laughs> so, so share with me as if, you know, or any of the other people that are listening to this, you have those repetitive, really great conversations with people. Where, how do you get started? with this type of work as a book? Oh, that's great. Um, I, I started with an outline, you know, and thought about it sort of in chapters mm-hmm. um, and then just focused on each chapter. Um, mm-hmm. And again, just wrote a little bit each day. Uh, my editor helped me with um, a way to think about things because before I started writing books, I have written a few blog posts. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that seemed less intimidating mm-hmm. to me. And so she said, okay, so just pick a, a subject and write it like a blog post. Nice. And, um, and then we can always elaborate on it if I think it needs, you know, a little bit more here and there. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was really great because it was something that I was comfortable with and I expanded on that model. That's nice. I like that idea. It's funny you said that because I just wrote out my year's blog post ideas. Uh-huh. And they all generate around starting a podcast for authors, um, researching for authors, because that's my other thing. I'm a librarian by um, also. And so I created a whole online course through Savvy Authors um, for tips. And so I'm starting this process, but I'm always in the back of my mind thinking, I need to write a book for students, adult students going back into you know education. So those kind of books are, are sitting there along with all my fiction works that I have in my mind. And your and your, I have too many ideas. I mean, love it. A bad problem, right? It's <laughs> so, wonderful. Yeah. I can tell you're passionate about what you do. And I love it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Just like you, I think your message is going to come through. And, and I love the fact that you're um, found a place that you can help other women heal and, and become the mothers that they really dream to be. So I think that's a wonderful place. I'm I have a huge thing about motherhood. It changed my life. Um, it was the most spiritual experience of my life, having my daughters. And um, to this day, I always go back and think about how amazing it was and how fortunate I am because I was never going to have children. <laughs> that was like the last thing on my agenda. <laughs> and how the universe just said, you know what? I'm changing that plan for you. <laughs> and I'm blessed every day because of it. So. Lovely. So, Laura, why don't you set up what you're going to read for our listeners? And I'll go quiet so and stop talking so we can listen to you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I think, um, I think that because most of the time when I do an evaluation for recurrent loss, we don't find um, something to fix. I try to set people up for that and focus on um, no matter what, moving forward, you really have to focus on your emotional wellness and self-care. Um, because it really um, can feel like PTSD. 
Um, you know, it's, it's a loss, it's a grieving process. You haven't had the family that you've been trying to build. And so I really, um, I do have a whole chapter on emotional wellness and I'd love to just read a little bit about that. That's fantastic. Well, and I think this applies not just to what you're talking about, applies to so many things in our lives too, but I appreciate that you're applying it to this. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Um, so this comes from chapter six. The title of the chapter is emotional wellness, the psychological impact of miscarriage. Um, in my medical training, I learned about the diagnosis, treatment and physical toll of miscarriage, but it's only been through years of caring for patients that I've realized the emotional toll and the psychological impact of miscarriage. I distinctly remember early in my fertility practice calling one of my patients with a positive pregnancy test and hearing a deep sigh followed by a heavy silence on the other end of the phone. This was not the reaction of elation and happiness that I usually got from my fertility patients who had been struggling to conceive. After a moment, she said, thank you, Dr. Shaheen. Here we go again. I was stunned And only after I hung up did it hit me like a ton of bricks. This test was the patient's fifth positive pregnancy test. And for her, this was just the beginning of limbo, waiting, and anxiety until she knew whether this would be a successful pregnancy or not. For her, this was only a beginning, and she'd been down this road before with disappointment at the end. She would be on pins and needles until the next checkup, and the one after that, and the one after that, and would only feel relief once she actually held her baby in her arms. Studies have found symptoms of depression, anxiety, and signs of post-traumatic stress disorder develop or become worse with miscarriage and recurrent pregnancy loss. Patients report not only a grieving process with all of its stages, but an impact of feelings of guilt, and doubt as to self-worth that can become worse with each loss. Without support and understanding of the common causes of miscarriage, women especially begin to blame themselves for the miscarriages. They blame their bodies, their stress, their diets. Without support and help, this can turn into self-blame and doubts of self-worth. Men struggle with the psychological impact of miscarriage as well. They can feel angry, depressed, and helpless watching their partner go through miscarriage after miscarriage without knowing how to help or what to do. Every person is different, but I've witnessed in my own practice many men extremely frustrated with a diagnosis of unexplained recurrent pregnancy loss. They want a problem they can fix, and leaving them with no clear answer can make them feel angry and upset. Supportive care for patients with recurrent pregnancy loss is essential. Studies have shown decreased miscarriage rates for women who receive supportive care in their first trimester. The authors of these studies cannot explain exactly why they see these results, but argue that more contact with medical providers, emotional support through counseling, and comprehensive care should be considered for any woman with recurrent miscarriage There is no universal definition of supportive care for these patients. Some describe it as counseling and emotional care, close monitoring in the first trimester with serial pregnancy blood tests and ultrasounds, or both. Regardless of how one defines supportive care, all recurrent pregnancy loss patients 
are more likely to have signs and symptoms of depression and anxiety and should be offered support and wellness resources. Fantastic. You know, Laura, I just listening to you read this, I feel a bit emotional that I'm so happy that you're bringing this message out because there's nothing more magical and beautiful about bringing life into this world, but the devastation and and the depression that you may feel if you, you can't in the timing that you think you should be able to. I think it's really, really great. So thank you so much. And I'm glad I had you on the podcast. So listeners, there's one person, two people out there. This was meant for you. So if you're feeling that, you know, in your heart, like I got to grab this book or, you know, somebody that's what this was for. So definitely get on the, on, on the show notes and find Laura's website and her work. And Laura, thank you so much for spending the time with us. I, I appreciate you coming and finding us and being a part of the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did. Follow us on social media and sign up for our newsletter where you can be entered automatically each month to win a signed free copy of a book from an author that's appeared on the podcast. You can find out more at our website, www.squishpin.com. And finally, if you're an author in the Pacific Northwest and you would like to appear on the show, you can find out more on our website. So until next week, I hope you enjoy the journey. This is Vicki J. Carter signing off.